You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here we go, episode 23 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon at B McCarthy95 at Leafs Pod. And a reminder you that Not Another Leafs Pod is brought to you by DraftKings. It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, might I add, is giving all new players the chance to cash in $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. If your team makes it, you rain cash $100 worth. That's right. All it takes is one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. That sounds like a no-brainer. This is a slam dunk offer and won't be around forever. So head to the app store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and get in on the action. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion. Why make trillions when we can make billions to its customers since 2012? So they know a thing or two about big paydays. What do we want you to do? Download the DraftKings app. Use promo code THPN to get your one shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at $100 and on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. BMAC. What's going on, buddy? What's up, Kenny? Speaking of that, man, if I want a guy taking the last shot, it's Dame Lillard. That's who I'm betting on. <laughs> you just have to bet on any team. You could bet that the Raptors will make a three-pointer tonight in their contest against the Milwaukee Bucks. If they make one, which is basically like nobody's going to miss like all their three-pointers. So it's yeah. basically just a free $100. So yeah, everybody should just go over to DraftKings and use code THPN because you know, you're going to get four free bets worth 25 bucks, and that's a good deal. You bet that on the Leafs puck line tonight. Take parlay one of those bets, and uh, 
maybe you could turn that into some cash flow because uh, Toronto seems to be back on the right track after beating Ottawa after the tough game the other night. Yeah, I mean, what a difference a couple of days makes. At the beginning of the week, it looks like the city was going to shut down with pitchforks up in arms because the Raps lose to the worst team in the league and the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Leafs lose to the Sens. So each taking turns uh, losing to some pretty pretty poor teams you should take insurance losing to the worst teams in the league (laughs) exactly exactly everyone everyone was losing it social media was blowing up and then you know obviously the raps will come back they lose lowry and they beat Giannis and the bucks fred drops 33 and then the leafs with a uh more crisp game i guess we should say i i'd almost rather them have those games have those wins those one goal wins because you know these six five eight six games i just found especially monday night they just got so careless and so cocky that the game got away from them and the senators didn't do much, but if you're going to give them those opportunities, they capitalized and kudos to them. I thought they had a hell of a game and the Leafs just got ahead of themselves and obviously they got a point, but I I just neglect that because it was a, a poor showing and you can talk about, you know, the immediate impact of Thornton's return on the first line and, Matthews continuing to rack up the points, but man, they should be sitting here with an eight point cushion for above Montreal for second, but here we are six points above. They need to definitely fine tune some things to avoid those collapses. Well, actually just would have been seven points because let's not forget. They still managed to come away with one point against Ottawa the other night. So it wasn't a total, total loss for Toronto, but I'm with you when you have a four goal lead against a team that's really struggled this year to put up good offensive numbers, you have to just bury them. And I did think that there was a lot of careless mistakes. It started with, you know, the late goal at the end of the second period where Anderson, for some reason, just takes the puck with what there was, you know, 15 seconds left. He just shoots it up, like trying to make a long pass. It's like, that's not necessary at that point. Just freeze it or just, you know, dump it to your defenseman, do something with it, but you don't need to throw it up. And then that gets exasperated by the Tavares turnover that in the defensive zone that ends up with all putting in the back of the net. And that sort of got them within three. Then the third period, they were just opportunistic. They get the breakaway goal coming off the penalty kill, which I don't, I've never heard of that player before. In my life. Zub. Once, yeah, he, once Zub. he scored that marker, I'm like, they're coming back. They just, yeah. they had the, like they were gunning man. And the yeah. Leafs just had no answer. Well, then they had that sort of, they had that nice goal. I think it was the fourth goal was pretty nice. It was a little tic-tac-toe in the zone. Yeah. Great passing from Ottawa. So not much Anderson could do on that one. And then Dadnov gets the the even up, the marker to even it up by batting it out of midair when the goalie's pulled. So certainly a missed opportunity for Toronto, uh, which would have been concerning based off their effort that they came out with last night. And I thought that they really turned it around, came out, uh, we're much more passive in the first period. I think nobody really wanted to make any mistakes, but they ended up playing a really solid game. I thought in particular for the, from the goaltending perspective, Frederick Anderson was excellent last night, earned the first star, made a number of excellent, excellent saves against Ottawa and was really able to solidify the win. I thought he looked really comfortable in particular. And luckily for Toronto, now they've taken three out of a possible four points from Ottawa. So if they end up getting the win tonight, which is Thursday, February 18th, then they'll be able to take five of six. And I think most Maple Leaf fans, given that number coming into the series, would be pretty happy with it. But people will still be unhappy with it just based off the fact that this team blew a four-goal lead, which I think unearthed a lot of doubts from the past. Yes. Well, I thought 4-1 leads were 
curse, but clearly five, five one, one and, yeah. and beyond, maybe. No lead is safe with, with the Maple Leafs. <laughs> but and again, too, I like the move because I think a sudden decision would be to pull the trigger and say, you know, Hutch is starting Wednesday, and then you run the risk of bro- of dropping two straight to the Sens. But I think it was good for Anderson to to rebound, come in, be fresh again. And he was he was very, very good when he had to be good. He made some excellent saves in timely situations. And this will be a good opportunity to now see Michael Hutchinson perhaps come in for relief for the third game to wrap up the three-game set. It'll be interesting to see what Sheldon Keefe does because he was uh, playing pretty coy with the media after the game last night when he was asked about that. And I believe last night would have been Frederick Anderson's 10th start in a row since Jack Campbell went down. So he's been doing the majority of the workload or all of the workload really since Toronto's bona fide backup went down and Keith wouldn't even like really hints to who was starting tonight. And the analytics show that a starting goaltender playing in the second leg of the back-to-back and back-to-back nights, their statistics are severely worse, but it doesn't seem like Keith has a whole lot of faith in Michael Hutchinson after what he saw from him a year ago. No, but at this point, I think you do, as you said, with, with the games and the workload that, Frederick Anderson has been dealing with over the past couple of weeks. It might be good and refreshing to give him a break and see if Hutchinson can provide them with a win or maybe, or maybe just come in and provide, you know, some saves against a pretty crappy Ottawa Senators team. So it'd be a a perfect situation to throw him in. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Anderson's been doing way too much work since Campbell went down and what's been the knock against Anderson. It's been his playoff performance and what's been a big, contributor to the reason they struggled in the playoffs has been the fact that he ends up starting an excessive amount of games during the regular season for this franchise. Now, I know that you aren't as comfortable with Michael Hutchinson as you are with Jack Campbell and why would you be, but if there was ever a point that you were going to start him, it has to be tonight, right? I mean, second leg of the back-to-back Ottawa, not the most offensively talented team that they're going to be rolling out there. And you'd much prefer him probably to get the start against Ottawa than against Calgary or Edmonton or Montreal for that matter, who are the next teams coming up in the near future for Toronto. I just don't see a better opportunity to start the backup goaltender than there is going to be tonight. Now, one thing you mentioned before, Joe Thornton returning to the lineup, I thought he's looked very comfortable. And this is uh, was been a big question about where Thornton was going to slot back in, whether you're going to you know, leave Hyman on that top line with Matthews and Marner or whether Thornton's going to draw in a little bit further down the lineup. Sheldon Keefe decides to put him back on the top line on the wing with the big boys. And it seems to have paid dividends through the two first games against Ottawa. Thornton with a couple of disallowed goals last night and a goal the other night against Ottawa. So he looks comfortable so far back in the blue and white. He does. And Ken and I had the opportunity to go on the Smitty and Mitty show as guest hosts. And we were talking about this actually in the final segment. And you liked how Thornton would slide into the top line immediately. I kind of preferred him to maybe slide down a little bit more and have some bottom six minutes, but Hey, he looks great and he hasn't missed a beat. And it's pretty easy to, to play with two highly skilled guys in, in Marner and Matthews and on the Kerfoot go ahead goal yesterday. I don't know if you saw, but it was Thornton Boyd and Kerfoot on the ice, which was a pretty good line. And obviously Keith is going to juggle and mix up the lines as the night, as the game progresses, but this is going to be a a continued experiment. I think with Joe Thornton, I don't think he's going to last on that top line, but he's certainly making hard for Keefe to switch things up. And of course, with guys coming back, like, well, not for a while Simmons, but Robertson has to 
get his conditioning up to NHL level. There's going to be some movement. So Thornton's got to enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. And that was uh, something that a lot of reporters were bringing up after the game was that Thornton with his physicality drives the net ends up creating the opportunity for Kerfoot on what ends up being the game winning goal. So kudos to Joe. He looks comfortable being back in the blue and whites and good job by Sheldon Keith plugging him right back into the lineup. And let's not like make, let's not like bury the lead here. Like there are other places in the lineup where Hyman can have influence and the line that struggled the most to this point in the season has been the second line of John Tavares, William Nylander, and whoever else is playing on the wing. And part of the reason that they've struggled, I expect, is because they haven't had a consistent winger on that line who's been able to influence. So I like Sheldon Keefe's decision to put Hyman on that second line and try to get those guys cooking. Because Tavares, I believe, now has gone one goal in his last 11 games. Nylander hasn't been any better. Two goals in his last 16 games, including at the beginning of February, or concluding not scoring since the beginning of February. So I I know that the analytics point to one thing and say that these guys are playing really well. But to quote Brad Pitt in, in Moneyball, it's like, if the guy hits so good, why isn't he hit good? And it's like, it's like the the expected goals are great. And I understand the advanced analytics and stuff like that, but at a certain point expected goals aren't worth a damn to me because you have to put the puck in the back of the net. So these guys need to figure for figure out what's going on here. I don't know if Sheldon Keith maybe needs to consider breaking up Matthews and Marner and maybe put Marner back with Tavares, bump Nylander up to try to get everybody cooking. Now I'd be hesitant to do that. I'm not saying break them up because Matthews and Marner are having both career seasons right now to this point and they seem to have excellent excellent chemistry so you don't want to disrupt the apple cart too much on that but certainly they're going to need to get their other big guns cooking if uh they can if they're going to have success here Moneyball, great movie what does he do he gets on he gets on base he That's gets why on we're base. pick him up yeah you need greasy guys to get the goals and for whatever reason i don't know if it's like there's injuries going on or if it's going on between the ears or they just don't have the chemistry it just doesn't seem to be working out well for these players in particular. So I don't know what's going on, but Sheldon Keith's going to need to do something to get them fired up because if you're going to pay these guys, I don't know, what's the combined salary for Tavares and Nylander? Is it 17 or 18 million bucks? They need yes. to be getting more production than three goals out of their last, let's see, mental math, three goals out of the last 27 games for those two players. That's not going to cut it. Five on five for the top guns too. It's been pretty bad. They've allowed uh, five or six goals respectively. So obviously Tavares has made it a mission to fine tune some things on the defensive end. But again, Keith has really been, I don't want to say forcing, but really hard on that line with Mikheyev, Nylander and Tavares. And they all went and some are currently going through a production spell. They just can't find the back of the net. They can't rack up the assists. So maybe Hyman, as he does so well, augments any line, any line he plays on. So I think this will maybe kickstart uh, a new look and a new production line out of Tavares and Nylander. Because I don't want to break them up just yet. I think they're just going through a little rough patch. I'd rather it be now than in March or April. Yeah. And like I said, the advanced analytics community, they were sort of making fun of this on the broadcast, actually, that no matter which side you're on with William Nylander. If you're on the side that likes the eye test, you're always going to be able to find examples of this guy sort of coasting around and maybe not necessarily going into the dirty areas or whatever it is. They're going to support your argument. And you can point at the box scores and say, this guy has not been productive through this stretch of time. But if you like the analytics, 
then you're going to be able to find all sorts of advanced metrics that say Tavares and Nylander have been kicking ass and taking names, not just on the offensive side, but on the defensive side as well, which is true. They have much better five on five goals against than Matthews and Marner. And also their expected goals, especially in the game last night was well, well above any other players on the team, really. So as far as those are concerned, the opportunities are going to be there for this player, these players. And I would think that at some point it's going to go in. Tavares had a couple of great opportunities last night. He had the breakaway with the backhander, which was, he was stoned by Matt Murray. And then later, Nylander sort of threaded the puck right through the teeth of the Ottawa defense to Tavares. And he just sort of launched one that Murray was able to deflect up right into the safety netting to draw a faceoff. But the looks have been there. These two players are just snake bitten at this point in time. And I would expect them to be able to turn it around. Man, nothing pisses me off more than send Twitter. I mean, I'm almost glad we waited <laughs> till the second game to, uh, to do a recording. When yeah. you text me saying, let's push it. I'm like, yes, because I feel like we just needed to diffuse a little bit after they evened it up because obviously there's some reactionary things that you want to say after a collapse, a colossal loss like that. But man, I'm like, first of all, come talk to me when you get double digits in the standings. Second of all, Austin Matthews has more career assists against the Senators than they have points this season. He has dummied the Senators in his career. 19 games, 17 goals, 11 assists for 28 points. Unbelievable. Incredible. Well, he got so, a good start. It was the first yes. game of his career was against the Yeah, not the bad, eh? October 12, 2016, I remember it well. I was at the keg. I was like, no way. He's got a hat trick in his first game. He's got four. <laughs> oh, Just man. slamming back a nice filet mignon. Death, taxes, and BMAC telling you which restaurant he was at during an iconic Maple <laughs> Leafs moment are the only certainties in life. It's true, man. It's true. <laughs> I All care right, more we... about the food than the result. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I, I've uh, I long thought about a filet mignon from the keg since mm. we've been in this lockdown. Should we head to around the league? Let's do it. So around the league, uh, we were making note of this. Well, like, no, I don't know if it was last pot or if it wasn't one of the ones before, but the Panthers, Lightning, Bruin, and Leafs, all members of the traditional Atlantic division, are an absolute wagon right now. And those four teams lead the NHL in winning percentage at the moment, which is absolutely insane. Can you imagine if That's these crazy. teams were still in the same division? Oh, my God. What a nightmare. Headache. It'd be an absolute headache. But it's it's a blessing, though, really. At least well, don't have to deal with that. Yeah, it's a blessing for Toronto fans, certainly. There was always, always uh, Boston and Tampa that would give the Leafs headaches. But then there was Florida that was always sneaking around. I mean, they obviously they're not going to get a lot of attention, but they have some sneaky, sneaky players. Huberto, he had an, uh, arguably one of the best assists of the season last night, and they they have some really, really good pieces, and they could they could be a, a, a big threat in the playoffs, maybe not for a deep run, but I'm, I'm happy the Leafs don't have to, to deal with them in a, in a three game series set like they would against the Sens. No, certainly. And Joel Quinville seems to have made all the right moves to get this group fired up. And, you know, he had to ship out some players, you know, they let Dadanov leave. They let Trocek leave. Then they make the acquisition acquisitions. They bring in Patrick Hornquist, stuff like that. Some, some more, uh, you know, heart and soul guys. And, it seems to be working in Florida. Your boy out in Edmonton, meanwhile, hit a, a cornerstone marker in his career. Connor McDavid, 500 points in his career. And strangely enough, it took him the exact amount of games 
as Sidney Crosby. That's like weird. How, how weird is that? 369 games. I thought I misread the headline on NHL.com when, the, when this happened. I thought it was like he passed Crosby or, you know, he was going to, you know, tie Crosby for the amount of points or whatever, but no exact amount of games. So very impressive for Connor McDavid, 369 games, well over a point a game player now. And do you expect that he's going to continue that for the rest of his career? He'll just be hoping that he can put up some other hardware rather than just putting up uh, Art Ross and Hart trophies for the rest of his career. I can't believe it's 369, like to a T, not even like off by a game. No, that's 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 just come on. Yeah, it's a it's insane. That's (laughs) and it's like the two best Canadian players really in the last 25 years. So no disrespect to any other great Canadian players, but I think that most would agree that they've been the most dominant. And so, yeah, it's uh, unbelievable for these two players. And what's even crazier is that they have the opportunity now likely to play on the same Olympic team in the upcoming games. You're likely going to have McDavid and Crosby on those teams. So we'll have to look at uh, what those possible lineups could look like at uh, at a later pod when we get a little bit closer to the tournament. Just going to be a wave after wave of attack. It'd be unfair. Unreal. The American team looks really good too, though. NHL players wearing Willie O'Ree custom skates made by Bauer in memoriam of the player. Did you see these on the broadcast last night? Because they were pretty sweet. Yes, I kind of want to pick up a pair, although I just picked up some new CCM skates. But I saw Anthony Duclair rocking them yesterday, and I received a a note uh, via Bell Media that there's going to be a a handful of players, including Suzuki, and I believe Nylander is going to be rocking them at one point too. So they're really sleek, and it's... uh, it's great to honor such a uh, wonderful man in this in this hockey world. Yeah, and Wayne Simmons, I believe uh, Jeff Merrick made note on the broadcast, was expected to right. also be wearing them last night, but obviously he's out for injury, so expect those to make an appearance a little bit down the road. I thought this was really well organized by the players to make this tribute to one of the pioneers of the game. So, and a really nice execution from Bauer. All in all, like including the skates as well that Bauer put out for the World Junior Tournament with like the flags on them and stuff. There's some really cool custom skates coming out of Bauer these days. Oh, yeah. Man, they look sick. Speaking of things looking sick, have you seen the initial pics of the Lake Tahoe rink, which have been uh, popping up all over the place? I've seen snippets and I just want to go. I just want to go. It looks so cool. (laughs) Oh, my God. It, It reminds me kind of. Have you ever seen that movie Mystery Alaska? Oh, uh, I haven't a, seen it iconic, in full, but yeah, it's an iconic old hockey movie about like this team that plays in Alaska and basically they like just live in this tiny town. And the only yeah. thing to do is like go to the Saturday game when they all just play like this hockey game and they somehow convince the New York Rangers to come to town to play them. And they basically have the exact same setup cooking. Like they've That's got like the old wooden boards. They've got like an old, really terrible Zamboni. Like it's just a crazy game. And of course they end up making it a contest. And then one of the players ends up getting, you know, drafted by the Rangers because he's like absolutely insane and nobody's heard of him because he lives in, you know, Bumble, whatever, Alaska. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a great, it like movie early though, 2000s what, or something. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe even earlier than that. It's got uh, Russell Crowe in it, I think. Okay. I know, so that, definitely not early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, it's like, a, <laughs> it's like late nineties, I think. I don't know if it's even Russell Crowe. Maybe it might just look like Russell Crowe. Anyways, we're going to move on from this conversation. But <laughs> yeah, it's a, hey. the, the rink looks absolutely outstanding. Hey, how about a little poetic justice for the Vancouver Canucks finally getting after their former goaltender, 5-1 Canucks last night over the Flames. I mean, to begin the season, they had all their former players, you know, 
just piling up the points on them. Tyler Toffoli, Markstrom, I believe, had already two or three wins, including a shutout against his former team. So really good to see Vancouver knock the Flames and finally get a big win because they were on a, a seriously, seriously bad stretch there. Yeah, it wasn't looking pretty for Vancouver, and they really need some positive things to build off of. The fact that they're able to get the split against Calgary is, I think, something positive that they can move forward with. And now they need to continue to do that because they need to make up ground in the standings if they're going to climb back into this playoff race. It really seems like the only teams that have, and I don't want to say solidified because it's so early in the season, but it seems like Toronto, Montreal, and likely Winnipeg seem to be the three definitive teams. So that's going to be you know Edmonton, Calgary, or Calgary and Vancouver fighting for that last spot is what it seems. So these points are going to be critical, especially for teams who fell behind early, such as the Canucks, to climb back into the playoff race. All right, should we go to the tweet of the day? Let's do it. Mine's coming from Justin Bourne. I think I know which one it is. Do you? <laughs> Matthews, he goes, Matthews from the quote, that's where I was an OT Morgan spot. So clearly uh, Leaf fans especially were a little bitter because when Riley had that open look in OT before the Dadunov goal, Matthews was lingering waiting for that patented clapper but to no avail it goes the other way so finally after the joe thornton two disallowed goals matthews pots one and i actually thought he was going to do the uh, ref goal gesture signal but he didn't i think he said something like puck don't lie i was reading afterwards the guys were giving a bit, a bit of a heckling for that but good to see him continue to rack up the points now the league leader in goals with 14 well i actually thought that. Like, I, well, I should regress. I don't think that the shot by Morgan Riley was necessarily a bad decision. I actually thought no. the bad decision from Riley came when he sort of tried to check the guy going up the boards rather than just sort of back chucking into the center of the ice, ultimately leading it to be a dad and breakaway rather than what would have been a two on one where you like your chances a lot more in that situation rather than going one on one. So, you know, part of the reason that the threat works with those three guys on the ice is the fact that you don't know where the shot's coming from. Obviously right. you're thinking it's going to be coming from Matthews. So maybe the defense and the goalie are cheating a little bit that way. So, you know, I don't mind Riley taking that look at that point in time. It's easy to go back and poke holes and say, Hey, you should have passed the puck since you didn't score. You know, but if he does scores, it's a non-conversation. So I don't know. It is what it is, but he was in the exact same spot. And Justin Hall kind of uh, did what Morgan Riley did not fakes the shots and then shovels it over to Matthews who absolutely buries it with yeah. authority. Like in and this out guy, back bar. my goodness, like it's absolutely, I know we said last pod that he's the best goal scorer in the league, but, but my God, he just seems to be on an absolute heater right now. 13 goals in 12 games. I don't know if we mentioned that earlier or not. My tweet is from is that good. Yeah. It's, I think it's pretty good. My tweet is from the Oak leaves. One of my favorite Leafs Twitter follows uh, at at the Oak Leafs active stick. Imagine if five years ago, someone told us there'd be a time when the Leafs would collect 11 of 12 straight points in 11 of 12 straight games, 20 out of a possible 24. And we'd be effing pissed at them. Like that's hard to believe that, well, how far this team has come over the last little while and how this team has looked. And everybody was so upset after the loss to Ottawa. And even after the wins, it seems like they're poking holes and saying Tavares can't do this. Tavares can't do that. You know, Nylander needs to be better. And I'm somewhat guilty. I realize this is a bit hypocritical since I was pointing out their lack of scoring a little bit earlier. But this team hasn't been on an absolute roll so far this season. There's going to be some bumps in the road here and there, but it's really how you bounce back. They bounce back. They get a big 2-1 win 
over Ottawa. They have an opportunity to build on that tonight before another very important context, contest rather against a well-rested Habs team who hasn't played since they played Toronto last Saturday night. Yeah, fans are just pissed because a quarter of the Leafs' losses this year are coming at the hands of the Ottawa Senators, which is not good. But yeah, it's weird. I mean, five years ago, six years ago, I mean, our top six was basically a bottom six on any other team. So they are a light years ahead. Yeah, it's been absolutely unreal. Should we head to the library bar? Let's go. Quick bevy. All right, Brendan, I know you like drinking in the morning, so you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> Who's at the library? Don't tell people you? that. Only Bailey sometimes with coffee, man. That's it. Uh, I've, I've been known to have a, have a little shower beer on Sunday morning when I'm a little hungover. You know, just uh, hair of the dog. I love doing the uh, university, like, Pre, yeah, pre-shower pint just to get ready, like 7 p.m., get all freshened up and, you know, maybe have a, a Stella in the shower. Why not? Oh, if I'm those getting are, those ready, are uni days. If I'm getting ready to go out, it's the shower with a six pack, you know, these okay. beers, these beers tell me at all. No, no, I can't tell me at all. But, you know, you got, you're going to have more than one while you're getting ready. Anyways, yeah. I like got shaved, got to get all the stuff going. So, yeah, you're going to be in there for a while. So you might want to have a, a couple beers while you're getting ready. Also, you got to save yourself a couple bucks once you get to the bar. Can't be going to the bar without any pregame, especially a bar like the library bar where you're paying, yeah. you know, 18 bucks for a cocktail, you know, 12 bucks for a pint of Peroni. <laughs> Things are yeah. going to get pretty pricey if you're not having a couple beforehand. So hopefully uh, your boy had a couple pregame drinks before he had there. Who you got? Yeah, I don't know how much beer tennis players consume, but I'm sure <laughs> Stefanos Stitsipas will have some nice sort pronunciation. of some sort of uh, bevy, some sort of libation, but he knocked off Rafael Nadal, 20-time Grand Slam champion, to reach this semis. Now he's got to play Daniil Medvedev, and then he's got, if he beats him, he has to face Djokovic in the final, which is going to be uh, tough. But, uh, man, what what, a, what an accomplishment to knock <laughs> off Rafael Nadal. Yeah. I mean, wow. And then Naomi Osaka, I should mention, too, she's probably right there with uh, Stefanos because she just knocked off Serena last night in straight sets, and she's only 23. So remarkable, remarkable talents for, for, the, for the young tennis stars here. And, man, I just imagine five years what they're going to be doing. It's, it's crazy what they're able to do this year, knocking off goats easily. And now, I mean, they're on their way to becoming a – Aussie open champ. They keep well, it up. Well, it's kind of a changing of the guard in a sense. I mean, a lot of the old guard, especially in the men's side is getting a lot older now. Yeah. And Nadal's older, Federer's older. I don't know how old Djokovic is. He's a little bit younger than the other two, but they're getting a little bit long in the tooth for that sport in particular. And I know Nadal has been dominant and will always dominate the French open on the clay courts, but he can be exposed on the other courts, especially at this point in his career. So congratulations, congratulations to Sisipas. Is that, is that the Stefanos Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas. Yeah, congratulations to him because it's He's still Greek. a big win. Eight. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for that. He's I, not I, Canadian. I live, on, no. I live on the Danforth in Greektown in Toronto, so I recognize a Greek name when I see it. No, very, <laughs> very, very impressive win. And then anytime you can knock off the big three, I want to take away from his accomplishment at all. That's obviously very impressive. And 
the road's only going to be harder for him if you said, as you what you said is true, and it'll likely be Djokovic waiting for him in the final. That will be the ultimate test for your boy. Uh, I've got Alex Morello. I think it's Alex Morello. Um, pronunciation, excuse me, uh, but he's the current owner of the Arizona Coyotes. He's going to be drinking because basically that, I don't know if you saw this article in the athletic that came out, but it's not looking good for Arizona. Basically this article came out saying that the ownership has been mistreating employees that, you know, they owe a ton of money to like all these different vendors and that there might've been, you know, forged records and reports and stuff like that to show how much money the ownership actually has and is investing into the team. They just like, they aren't able to pay their bills. They're like behind on all this stuff, negotiating debts. And I believe also there was a one account of sexual harassment since this guy took over as the owner of the coyotes, I believe it was about 18 months ago. So this is a complete tire fire for the organization. Yeah. It's good. It's not really good. And it's not looking good on the NHL. They actually declined to comment when reached out to by the author of the story, which is their prerogative. I suppose you can comment on whatever you'd like, but in this case, pleading the fifth and the, in the report, it said that a number of the employees had actually contacted the NHL to try to, you know, file complaints against the organization. And it really wasn't heard. This is not only bad for the organization, but it looks bad on the league as well. If indeed the reports are true and they just were trying to sweep this thing under the rug. Yikes. That's a very precarious situation. It's a disaster. Yeah. And like, I gotta be honest with the financial stuff. I'm just like, well, why the hell are we still trying to keep this team there? You know, obviously it's not, they don't have the market support. They aren't able to get the television contracts. And it's like basically been a failed experiment. I understand the idea of growing the game in the desert, but, why not just put the team in a traditional hockey market a la Quebec City, where you know that you're going to be able to get the fan base, you know that people are going to pay attention to the team, and you know that the team isn't going to be in these financial you know, straits where they're basically just leeching off the other teams in the league for the revenue sharing to stay afloat. It just doesn't make any sense to me why the league is so committed to the Arizona Coyotes staying in Arizona when, for my money, it's clearly just been a complete disaster and it's time to fold the experiment. Are you listening, Jerry Bettman? There you go, man. Switch Jerry needs off. to listen. The Jerry proud needs people to of Quebec listens. City deserve more than this. The <laughs> proud francophones of Quebec City deserve more. I know that they uh, got their team taken away because I think in large part because of uh, lack of lack of fan support back in the day, and then they ended up going to Colorado and winning the cup the next season. So that was a pretty big slap in the face. But they deserve a second chance. Look how it's worked in Winnipeg. They're doing fine the second time around. I've got to bring another team back to the great province of Quebec. Well, unfortunately for uh, Arizona, they don't have the luxury of playing outdoor hockey like we do here in Canada, which I've been enjoying to the utmost. Where are you playing outdoor hockey? I'm playing at Beresford Park. All right, so now, it's a little now my west. follow-up question: Where's Beresford, Beresford Park? <laughs> it's a little, it's a little west <laughs> Toronto. Um, All right, yeah, it's great, man. I love. I haven't been out in three or four years like i actually got skates and gloves stick just the essentials for shinny a few years ago but i haven't been able to use them and it felt great i, I love i love getting out there and i almost had a goalie uh kevin hillsden our former uh classmate was going to come out and join us and go between the pipes but unfortunately he bailed so i might just have to shoot on an empty net <laughs> yeah, that's all right just shoot for the pipes practice that accuracy uh exactly going bar down 
you'll be good to go. Yeah, I haven't hit the shinny ranks at all so far this season because of the lockdowns, everything's been uh, not allowed, really. So you have to find open ice somewhere. I believe I, I heard uh, on the radio earlier this week, though, that a popular place to go has been under the Mimico Bridge. Don't quote me Ooh. on if that's the name of the bridge, but there's uh, certainly a spot in Toronto where it's kind of just off the beaten oh, path. Oh, the Bentway. Maybe that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody's been going to somewhere down on the lakeshore where uh, yeah, it's not necessarily it. an established skating rink and you're allowed to skate with uh, sticks, gloves and a puck, which is how I prefer to do my skating. I really like just going and wheeling around the rink. I also yeah, don't really understand. Like, I understand that they don't want, you know, 20 on, you know, 20, 10 on 10 games of shinny uh, shaping up where everybody's sitting on the bench in close contact. I get that. But most of the time when I head to the rink, it's like early in the morning, there's nobody else there. So. I don't really understand the difference about skating around with the stick and puck versus just skating around with nothing at all. But anyways, that's not for me to decide. The numbers are going down. So happy for that. And hopefully we can get back to uh, regular life in the GTA sooner rather than later. Yes, sir. Well, it's an off day for me. So I'll definitely be tearing it up at the outdoor rink later on with my roomie. But for the buds, they'll wrap up a three game series set against the Sens tonight. Then they got the Habs in Montreal Saturday. And then next week they got the Flames and then the Oilers again, which will take us into March. So Canadian great. division's the best. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I love it. <laughs> like it's normally great. we get Edmonton twice in a season. Oh, like yeah. now it's like we have them three times and the end of February going into March. Like yeah. it's a, it's absolutely Connor's coming back. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's great <laughs> matchups. Like from a fan perspective, and I think everybody should appreciate this as well. We're likely never going to see this again. Never. This is an extenuating circumstance that all this has happened and they've realigned everything. So like, I know that, you know, as hockey fans, like we can always like nitpick and get, you know, sort of get down in the matchups and get down on our teams, but let's just, just like take a step back and enjoy what's amazing hockey and seeing all the best players in Canada on a regular basis, because the West coast teams don't get to see the East coast players very often, vice versa. We don't get to see Elias Pettersson. We don't get to see Connor McDavid. We don't get to see Sean Monaghan, Johnny Goudreau very often, more than twice in the year. So enjoy hockey fans, because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And in 20 years, we'll all be lamenting about how awesome it was when we got to see Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid play each other nine times in the season. It's just uh, such a treat for, you know, the fans of the game and an opportunity of a lifetime. Enjoy the hockey, enjoy the juicy Canadian matchups, and if you're doing a dry Feb, good luck on the last stretch. I'm with you. Yeah, final stretch. Good luck, guys. I did dry Jan, so I won't be with you, but I'm with you in spirit, all right? (laughs) 